Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with purpose and passion. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and our guest today is Tom Brickman. Tom is a proud married dog dad from Dallas, Texas. He recently retired from his nine to five work to work on real estate. He has 22 properties now. Um, it's a resale business. He also runs the frugalgate.com. Uh, he provides one-on-one coaching, covers financial literacy and real estate for building wealth. And I'm so excited, Tom, to have you on the show. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, most folks don't, and I'm putting retire in quotes, most folks don't retire at 37. You know, I'm well beyond 37 and decidedly not retired. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Did you mean to do that? Was this on purpose? It was a goal. Yes, I've been working towards it at least 10 years. Um, but I worked at a movie theater for almost 16 years. And I knew that I did not want to work for another employer because making more money at a different job that I didn't like wasn't going to make me happy. So I made it a goal in 2009 that I was going to buy a property a year. I had bought a couple before 2009. I bought a money pit in there and I didn't give up after that one. And um, I started to make money at door number five. And I knew okay. that if I kept buying one a year, it could get me out of here without having to go to another employer. All right. So, so the story, and I, I've, I know a little bit about the story and some of the, uh, some of the properties that you're buying are, are buying unloved, unwanted, often unsightly properties and turning them into something else, um, which is, so there's some social good here too for neighborhoods as well. Uh, how did you decide to do, was that on purpose? Did you, did you seek that out or was that because that was what you could afford to buy when you were first buying doors? That's what I could afford to buy. And actually, I just finished one um, and it had been, it was a foreclosure. It was a bank owned and it had been on the market for like eight months and mm -hmm. it just sat there. It was ugly, but it was really good bones. And I threw in a really low offer. My realtor is like, you're not going to get that. And this is just this past August. And um, the bank came back the next day and they're like, we'll take your offer. So I still do it, even though I could afford more. But it's still one of those that, and, and then what's awesome is I put this one up for rent a couple of weeks ago. We just finished with it. We had like 19 applications the first day before people wow. had even seen it. So people, yeah, people were excited. It's in a good spot and it looks really, really sharp now. So being in that spot where you can put something back in commission that, and this thing, it took me months just to get the electric on because it had been off for so long. So it's one of those that had sat there for two years, unloved and untouched, mm -hmm. and now it's back in commission. That's phenomenal. And, and um, you know, like I said, that's good for neighborhoods. It's good for families. Uh, lots of people win anecdotally, sort of, sort of in an ancillary way on these things, which is, which is wonderful. So um, I, I tell a lot of folks, you know, we, we represent families all over the country, and we often get asked about real estate as an investment. And specifically, we get asked, you know, I'm going to buy my second home uh, or I'm going to buy a, a different house. Should I rent out my current one? And the advice that I give, and I'm interested to hear whether you think my advice is spot on or not, the advice that I typically give is either decide you're going to be in real estate or don't. Don't have just one property because in my mind, that's like having a portfolio with one stock and a lot can go wrong. And you, you said you had a money pit. If you only have one property and you have a lousy tenant or, or, or you have significant bones issues in the home or whatever, you're you're sunk. You're in deep, deep trouble. Whereas if you have 10 properties and you have one lousy tenant, you can survive that. 
So how am I doing from an advice standpoint on the real estate side? Completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. And that's what I tell people when I start with them is, you know, I started making money at number five and it took me getting to number five and lots of duds and some bad tenants and an eviction. And I mean, I learned everything. I started at 21. So I had no idea what I was doing and I was just winging it and a terrible landlord uh, to start because I lived <laughs> at the property. I was actually house hacking. So I was not a, a fun neighbor. I'll say that. But I didn't know, you know, I just didn't know. I didn't that first. I'm like, I want to live in a place that's cheaper. And that was the goal. And that first winter when that furnace went out and I had to come up with like $2,500 real quick, I'm like, I need to figure this out quick. And same thing when the water heater went out. And I mean, you just learn as you go. So yeah, I, I agree with that spot on. It's not for that one door. I mean, you can do it with the one door, but again, you have to really build up your, if, if, if you're going to retire from this, that one door is not going to cut it unless it's you know, an amazing 18 bedroom door that you can rent out all the different bedrooms or, or something like that. So a boarding house, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to create, basically. A, you're going to create a hostel somewhere in, in Dallas. Are, are all the I, properties I just, you own within that radius? Are they close to, are they all in Texas? Are they all in the Dallas region? They are not. So I have, um, 14 up 14 doors up in Ohio and I have eight in huh. Dallas are my, my 22. And I don't count my, uh, own residence as a door right. because uh, it's not producing income. No, it's not. In fact, it costs you money every day, every single day. So why Ohio? Do you have ties to Ohio or, or how did that happen? Everyone asks. Um, that's where I started in college. And um, it was, uh, I bought a $90,000 duplex was the first one. And I lived upstairs, rented out the downstairs. It covered almost my whole mortgage. It was a perfect scenario. Left Ohio. That one continue. I still hold that one 19 years later and it's still making me money. Um, and I bought a bunch in Dallas. And then when I got priced out of Dallas, like 2018 is when it started to not make sense to keep buying here because I was cash flow negative. I went back and what I found is Ohio is a great cash flow town, but a terrible appreciation town. And Dallas is a wonderful appreciation with very little cash flow, especially if anything you buy right now. So it makes sense to be in both markets. Because uh, you definitely don't want to just bank on cash, and you just don't want to bank on appreciation either. So I, I really like that that approach because the two ways to make money in real estate are those two ways: the value of your property and your equity can grow, or you can be cash flow positive. And it's sometimes hard to be both on the same property. Um, is this is this something you're now teaching people how to do this, correct? You're coaching folks one-on-one, -on -one, you're helping folks do that. Are you doing co-purchases with people or are you basically saying, here's, here's how to do it. You're on your own. Or what is the, what is the, the approach you're taking with that? I'm, I'm doing all of, all of the above. I just started doing the, the co-purchases, um, because there's some that, you know, want to do it and have the money and don't have that skill set to find the right property. And, you know, I like to make money when I'm buying the property. So when I'm signing paperwork and I just am buying another property this week, we should go in at, with $4,000 equity, which isn't a ton when you think about it. But once we fix it up and, and get it rented, it, it's a solid property. And a lot of people, you know, who come to me are the ones who are like, I tried it. I lost $50,000. I don't want to do that again. Let's try this the second mm -hmm. time and see if we can do it right this time. So, um, do the teaching, do the, um, partnerships and I'm open to all of that. And it's case by case with me because I don't want to take on something that I don't think I can help you or in a market that I'm not familiar with because mm -hmm. 
when you contact me and say, let's go to Kentucky, I say, you are good in Kentucky. I am not, that's, I don't have a team uh-huh. there. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not going there, but, um, you know, it's case by case with, with all of that. Are you, um, how do you handle some of the liability issues? Are you doing LLCs per property? Are you setting up entities to protect you if one tenant falls down the stairs in their property to protect the other 21 doors? Like, how are you, how are you handling some of the, some of the, the legal stuff? Yeah, I, I usually batch them. Um, so it's like two or three properties in an LLC and that's for legality and that's for loan purposes and so yes i have i have multiple different llcs across the states set up and mm-hmm. you know there's some llcs with just one door and then there's some like ohio when i'm buying a fifty thousand dollar door will group three properties together got it so so that way you're sharing some of the liability but you also can share some of the cash flow so if two of them are, are positive and one's negative you can offset that and so forth so sure, what kind sure. of, so, so you've got a, a team of, I presume a team of people who do the, the work, the rehabs, the, the, so you must have two full crews in Texas and Ohio at this point or people, you know, in every, every fix up opportunity, you've got plumbers and electricians and, and carpenters and all those folks in all these towns or just handymen, you know, what? uh, a, a mix of both. Like I have really okay. strong a really strong plumber in Ohio that I wish I had in Texas and a really strong um, contractor in Texas that I wish I had in Ohio. So I have a mix of a really solid team across the two states. And um, I've been, I even as er, or as late as last year, I was burned on a project where I hired an electrician. He did half the work. He asked for the second half of the draw. I paid him the money and then he ghosted me. So that was a $3,500 lesson. So it's, it, it, yeah, it happens. And that, you know, I try and, you know, explain that to people. And I hadn't worked with this electrician before this project. And it was, I needed a certain set of stuff done per the city, per the permit. And he's like, yes, I can do it. And he did do half. And then he just went missing. So that happens. It happens. Now, what do you, what do you do when that happens? I mean, obviously you eat it, but do you, are you yelping to make sure that nobody else gets taken by these folks? Like, have you, are you are you doing sort of helping others with due diligence when you run into a bad apple, or are you sort of just letting it be? Uh, well, with that, I didn't yelp because um, there was no yelp available for that. But I did do a report because he was licensed to the the state, and it came back that the license that he was using was his father's license. So it, it's hmm. just, yeah, it, it it gets messy. And of course I'm like, you know, uh, I, I just had a client who bought up there and I'm like, you know, if you're looking for this, this is the contractor I'd use and I've had good success with him. But mm-hmm. another thing that I don't like, and I've had this happen before, if I do a referral and then they're not happy with the job, I don't want them to come back to me and be like, this looks like crap. Why did you recommend him? So I'm very mm-hmm. careful with who I do the referrals on. Um, I have a couple in Texas, especially who do the new build. So I know that they're up to par and, and can definitely make a, a client happy. So I'll definitely do referrals on them. But then there's other ones like you don't want to refer out because you need them to work on your projects. So I, I would say I'm selfish in that aspect where I don't do referrals on everything. Okay. Now, now you're, we talked about the diversified ways to make money in real estate. Are there other things you're looking to do to diversify your own personal income so that you're not fully dependent on real estate, specifically on rentals? Yeah, right behind me, I am in my eBay room 
And Aha. the reason I do, the reason I do so everything behind you is for sale. Everything behind you is for sale. Yes, oh my goodness. it's listed right. up on eBay. So, right. um, and this has been my safety blanket since I was in my early tw- while I was in college. I was I started by selling purses, and they were a dollar fifty purse that I bought. And eBay didn't even have buy it now, so I'd sell them um, two at a time because I had two colors, and I'd sell them for like sixty bucks a piece and ship them out each week. And that was how I started. So this is I call eBay my safety blanket, which is a way for me to generate income without very little effort. And yes, I do have to ship the items. I fulfill my own items, but it's something that when I have a really bad real estate month and all the furnaces break, I can go really hard and get stuff listed. And I've got that backup money. And I mean, I have emergency funds and all that for it, but eBay is one of those that's just been there over the last 18 years and I can do as much or as little as I like with it. So you have a, a, a big relationship with one of the major shipping companies, you, FedEx or UPS or somebody loves you cause you're, you're keeping them in business or. We're actually mostly post office and we have our favorite cashiers there and they know us by name and, and, okay. um, you know, we'll, we'll bring them a coffee sometimes and we have a good rapport with them and, oh, and we good. don't do a ton, but we'll do like, you know, five, seven, 10 sales a day. So we're not like a huge, and again, that's at my pace and that's where I'm at. And there's times where I'll travel up to Ohio, so I can't be here to ship items. So I don't like to overload, but I also like it. So if I need something coming in. I've got that always. I, I find your um, I find your professional life fascinating because it is so foreign to me. Because I st- you know, and, and I run three companies and I'm at them, and it's very hands on. And uh, you don't have to deal. You're, you're working with contractors, but you don't deal with employees. You don't deal with office space. You don't deal with uh, employee benefits and all those kinds of things. Of course, you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself and doing some of those, which I, I presume you have done your own retirement plans and those things, I hope. If you haven't, we'll talk yes. after. Yes. But <laughs> but it's a completely different professional existence than mine. And you look darn comfortable and happy. So there, there must be something about not putting on a movie theater uniform and going in and, and, and dealing with that. This has to be a huge, huge shift and a wonderful one for you. What's it feel like to wake up in the morning to know that you've already made money that day while you're making your coffee and to know that everything you're doing now is accretive? I, I love it. And it's it's one of the, you know, when I woke up this morning, I had three eBay sales in there. So I'm like, oh, this sold, this sold, this sold. And, um, you know, I get to build a calendar and a schedule that are important to me, which I mm-hmm. couldn't do before. I had to ask for PTO. And next week I'm going up and visiting family in Ohio. So the flexibility and, you know, being able to fill my calendar with things that matter, you know, after this, I'm going to the gym and, and I've got a meeting this afternoon. So it's one of those that I can build a day around what I want to do and where my priorities are. And then I'll circle around right before we started, I was ordering a sink for a contractor for a project that we're working on. And I like that. And I like that I could just take a day off or a weekend off if I want to. And I couldn't do that before. And I thought about that this summer. It was my first time away from the theater during summer. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't even remember what July was like. Cause you can never ask off for July cause it's busy and there's movies and this and that. And just this past year has been fantastic, exciting. And just things that I had forgotten about. Like, I think I've spent more time with my family in the past 14 months than I had in the past 15 years prior. And that's, wow. uh, you know, 
you forget about some of those things and those little, you know, sitting around playing a card game with a family while you can. And, and those are things that go to the wayside when you're working this job and you're on call and you've got to respond to this quickly or you'll get in trouble and you've got to change this and you've got to cancel this and do this. And, you know, your priorities shift as you transition into this space. And as people, you know, I just had a meeting this week with someone who's just starting out with their, it was really hard the first couple of months, but it got easier as I went. And as I filled up my calendar with things that were important mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it took me, it took me, you know, three months to figure it out. Cause I was like, man, this sucks. Maybe I'll go work at Starbucks. Maybe I'll do this. And then I'm like, oh wait, I could do that. And you know, I signed up for some volunteer stuff to keep some structure. Cause that was what it was, was like, it's Monday morning. I don't have to drive into work. Um, so yeah. It's, it's interesting to consider yourself retired because it sounds like you're not, it sounds like you're working. You're just not working for someone else. Um, if you were to never buy another property, could you live comfortably or reasonably comfortably as you define that on the cash flow coming from the doors you own now? Absolutely. And, uh, I just did my taxes this week and he's like, how many more of these are we going to do? He's like, you would have been wait. I bought five last year. And he's like, okay, you know, if we would have not done these five, we would have been a whole lot. He like took those out. He's like, this is where you would have ended up. Uh huh. This is where you really ended up because you spent your money back into these new five and this, you know, mm -hmm. they didn't make money off the bat. So I did renovations <laughs> and I, the majority of them were vacant and dilapidated run down when I bought them. So he's like, how many more are we going to do? And I'm like, strategically, I'm going to, you know, do a few. And, and this year I think I'll end up at like four or five. Um, okay. but again, some of them are the partnerships, mm -hmm. but, um, I will strategically upgrade. So like some of the older ones, maybe it's time to sell off that duplex. Cause as, as I do this, you know what you like more and not, and I don't want to hear about Becky smoking downstairs and complaining with this neighbor. And I, I I'm, you know, and I have a manager, but some of the uh -huh. tenants have been there so long. I have some that have been there 12 years now. So I was the self-managed person. So I still get contacted when Becky's outside smoking and I don't care. <laughs> I don't even know who Becky is at this moment, but I'm still getting contacted or, or what by she, some of the or, older tenants. Right. Or what she's smoking. Like we just don't know. Right. Could be anything. Right. All right. So, <laughs> So, oh my um, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe do some upgrades, but I really do feel like my port, I, I always said I'd stop at 10 and I didn't stop at 10. Um, and I do feel like maybe some trade-ups or something like that would make sense, but yes, I'm, I'm good with my portfolio where I'm at. So, so that's, that's, that leads me to the next, uh, question because there's, when you, when you run a business and you're running a business, you're running two, I guess, or 22, however we want to look at it, but let's just say you're running two businesses. One is a side hustle. That's eBay. One is your primary business. That's real estate. Um, there are different economic conditions that will impact lots of things. And this has been an interesting few years. You quit the movie theater before or after the COVID shutdown? After I put in my notice before, and then they talked me into staying. And then I regretted staying that two extra years. So I quit in uh, January of 22, but I, I was ready in, um, August of uh, 2019 is when I was ready. Ready, but a little freaked out at not having a paycheck. Yeah. And I, I did yeah. get some extra doors during that period. So it worked out and it positioned me stronger for 2022, the beginning of it. Okay. And okay. Um, that, and that, so in that aspect, it was good, but I, I would have probably been okay if I had left in August of, of 19. How has inflation 
and uh, rising interest rates. How has that helped you? Are you are you financing most of these properties? Are you paying cash for most of these properties now? Um, if you have fixed mortgages at ridiculously low rates and now you're seeing rent escalation, is that a, a win for you? Are you feeling good about that? Like what, how have the, how's the interest rate environment affected not only the properties you've owned a long time, but also the ones you're looking at currently? Um, I'm conservative, but I started in 2004. So our rates were 6.85 back in 2004 when I started. Okay. So I was already there. And if it cash flowed there at six or seven or 8%, I can make it cash flow at three or 4% if it ever. So um, I'm looking at everything a little bit differently. Like the one that I'm working on right now in Dallas, I was thinking of doing a refinance and I'm in it a little bit like a, a percent lower. And now I'm like, you know what? I don't need that money right now. We're just going to let it fly how it is. It's in a 15 year um, commercial loan on that one. And, um, you know, looking at it on a case by case, but I'm certainly not staying away because if I want control of the asset, I can make it work with the interest that it is. And um, okay. that's how I'm looking at these. And and like last year, I strategic, I sold one and I bought five and I bought four of those in cash um, okay. last year. So so it's, it's one of those as well, where if it makes sense, um, I, I, I'm all in. And okay. um, wow. th th that's where I'm at with... You know, um, the the benefit, yes, I do have some properties that are in that two, three, four percent range. And the the pro like I when I was doing my taxes, I'm like, oh my gosh, the ones that you don't think, those are the ones that are making tons of money just because and I'm not one of those that is constantly raising rents, but it's it's a little bit below market on this one. And it's um in down in South Dallas and it's a, a rougher property, but when I bought it, I just bought it at the right time at the right price with the right interest rate and mm -hmm. um, did a ton of work to it. So it's, everyone wants to rent it whenever it comes available mm -hmm. and uh, it makes a lot of money. So that's wild. I've, I, yeah, I've got some locked in at, at great rates and then I'm not worried about the ones that will um, time out because, you know, maybe that's when I sell off one of them and, and just pay off that completely and don't worry about doing any kind of refinance or carrying debt on, on those certain ones. How many of the properties that you own are multifamily? Are they all individual unit? You said there was a duplex, but are, are most of them one or two unit structures as opposed to you're looking at apartment buildings now? Um, I'm looking at those again, strategically, if it's the right project, because there's always those four five, six units that come up and then I'm like, oh, this will be a disaster by the time I'm done with it. So mm -hmm. um, I do have one commercial space that is mixed use with some residential and everything else is is either single or uh, multifamily, yes. Are you exploring other avenues in the real estate space other than uh, residential or mixed use? Are you are you looking at commercial? I mean, commercial real estate's in a in a doldrum right now. It's a scary place because the workplace has changed so much and certainly nobody's excited about buying malls or unless you're gonna turn them into assisted living communities or something like what? What else in real estate do you like right now? If um, so I do, I do still like commercial and it's case by case. I'm not buying malls, but I bought that. So it's uh, three residential and then one commercial downstairs. And I was real nervous when I had the turn and it was the first turn since I had it. I had a, um, a barber in there, which is something that you can't work remote. And uh, mm -hmm, they, right. they up and moved out, but they actually did a referral to another barber. So I had like a month gap in there between the two different tenants. And I was like, man, I got so lucky with this one. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because it could have sat there for months and and gone unrented. But because I've positioned myself with residential above it, I still have the income coming in from the building. So it's not one of those that I'm like, quickly, I have to get it. Um, I'm looking at, you know, maybe some um, syndications, maybe something in that where it's more hands off. And I know that that's Mm -hmm. out of my control, but I don't have a lot of exposure in that and maybe something like that. So I don't have to hear about Becky smoking outside. I, I, you know, it's all third party and I'll just have my money in it. Who is this Becky, this chain smoker? And why Becky? (laughs) (laughs) Why is it always Becky who smokes? I I have three or four tenants that have been there a really long time. So I still get contacted on stuff that I pay a manager to handle anyway. But, um, it's just a recent incident with someone and I'm, and that was literally my response back. I'm like, who is Becky and why am I hearing about her? She's the girlfriend of whoever lives upstairs. I'll tell you. That. Oh dear Lord. Okay. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, the, her partner will, will get an upgrade at some point. Yes. That's really good. So what or other kinds I'll of sell off that duplex then I don't or, have to yeah, well, about yeah, it but, at all. Yes. Well, sell it before, before this show goes live, because people are going to know if there's a duplex for sale and you're selling it, there could be a smoker named Becky. That's so, I mean, this, if this show goes viral, you're going to have a hard time selling that duplex. So I'm sorry. I just hurt your property. It's a good, just it's a good name. Show. I, get, I get poached constantly on that one. So I don't think. It's in the right neighborhood, and I bought, you know, so it's one of those that people want. Well, that's good. I don't want to cost you money. I don't want to cost you money today. Under any circumstances, that would not make me happy. Um, What other kinds of what other kinds of financial instruments or investments do you deploy or or use for your own well being, or is are you all in and and this is this is where your wealth is and is likely to stay? No, I still even you know stocks um i have a stock portfolio and then i do some alternative investments through my ira meaning i'll buy shares of like artwork or all you know there's Mm -hmm. several different things that i've i've done through the ira and through um stocks so i don't just i think last year um i hit like the 300 a month in dividends so it's one of those that Mm -hmm. i like to build it up so i'm continuing to do that so i have that as a you know the backup backup and it just reinvests right now but it's there so um even as it dips and goes down and it, I just keep every week the money goes in and it reinvests. And that's one of those that everything else falls apart. I've got that, I've, you know, and, and that was it. I got real nervous at COVID. I'm like, and I've structured it. So if I get rent from, um, at the time it was four, if I get rent from four of the, and at the time I think it was 18 or 17 or 18 i'm like if i get four i'm covered my bills are paid i'll figure out the rest i'll sell some stuff on ebay so i'm not you know over leveraged and that's what makes me nervous even with a lot of the people who were jumping into the airbnb market and you know Mm -hmm. that's been a big thing where i have one and it's a great one um it's not no vacation destination but it makes money um it doesn't make me a ton of money but when i travel i can stay at it it's one of those and mm-hmm. I'm good with that one. And if it doesn't rent, I can still pay my bills. You know, it's one of those. Is and that where you stay in Ohio? Me, uh, yes. In the past uh, six months, I'll, I'll, I'll stay at that one. And I, I work, on, you know, right now it's about to go up. We're redoing a bathroom. So it'll go up on Airbnb. It's all been private um, rentals for the past um, six months. And it's been like clients that have gone in and family that's gone through. They'll, they'll rent it for a couple nights. But um, 
I get nervous with how that's been so over leveraged by some people. And, you know, oh, yeah. they need to collect rent from all of them if they're going to make those mortgage payments. And that just, you know, leaving my job, I didn't want to put myself in that spot. And I just knew, you know, going in with very, not low debt, but manageable debt. So I know if I collect from these couple, I'm good. That just okay. makes me sleep better and knows that I don't have to sell purses on eBay to to pay the mortgage that month. <laughs> Well, we, we are we are running short on time and there's so many more things I want to ask you um, because it sounds like you've you've taken some lumps. You've learned a heck of a lot, some of it the easy way, of course, some of it the hard way. Um, and now you're dispensing wisdom for those who, who want to hire you as a coach and other things. Um, how can folks get in touch with you if they have interest in getting to know what you're what you're doing and what you're about? So first and foremost, I'm um, on Twitter, very active over there. Um, and it's at the frugal gay 11 and I am available through my website, through email. Um, and that website again is the frugal gay.com, uh, website and, uh, emails listed right on there to find out more and just ask one-off questions. I get a lot of that. So you are welcome to do that. And same with Instagram and TikTok. I tend to not go over to, but you are welcome to message me there and we will try our best to get back to you. Yes. So, so let me ask you, let me ask you one of my favorite questions, which is what do you want to be when you grow up? What do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be what I started doing at 21, which was buying real estate, but I want to show others how to do it. So they're not, you know, I I've worked with enough clients now. And sometimes when they come to me, I'm like, you make way too much money to be this broke. We can figure this out. So I love being in that spot. And and mm -hmm. by the end of, you know, that took a year of me working with that client, but by the end they were homeowners. So I want to be able to not only do real estate, but be able to teach others how to buy real estate responsibly and stop that cycle. Like working with them for a year was like life-changing for me, which sounds crazy, but it was just, they realized by the end of that year that they don't have to live paycheck to paycheck and they can build wealth through real estate. And I love that and being in that spot to be able to share that financial literacy is huge and i just people struggle with it oh yeah it's they not do and so, and, and there's so, a that's a great that's a great plan i there's a, a great um a, a significant confusion between income and wealth they are not the same income is what's coming in wealth is what you've built and what you can access and there are a lot of folks who make a lot of money and can't and have nothing to show for it and there's a lot of folks who don't make a lot of money, at least on paper, but have built empires. And you're clearly building an empire. And, and I, I give you an enormous amount of credit. Uh, and, I, and I think it's great that you're teaching other people because these are things folks need to know. Um, and so we're at that moment in our show where I need to get an extra credit assignment from you because I, I despise homework, except when my daughter has homework. I do find that kind of funny because I don't have to do that anymore. And she does. Um, so tell me, what would the extra credit assignment be? What, what should folks do if they're thinking about being involved in real estate or if they're doing it and they're not sure they're doing it well? Or um, what's the, the one extra credit assignment today? Can you start with a budget? Can you see where your money is going? And that's really where I start. A lot of people is, especially when they come to me, they're like, I'm just not making enough. I'm not doing this. You don't need to jump into a side hustle till you understand where your money's going. And there's a lot of times when people sit and do that budget and they're like, I didn't even realize I was spending $380 on subscriptions for mm. 10 different services that I don't use. So 
I kind of start with that. And then if you want to jump into real estate, what I usually tell people is let's start a watch list and decide where we're going. And are we going after cash flow? Or are we going after appreciation? And what market are we in and where does it make sense? And then, you know, if you don't own anything, I'm like, how can we get you into house? How can we make this work? How can we do that? Cause that's really, you know, people will dog, uh, landlords and, and that, but really wealth building, having some sort of real estate in the portfolio. I never made, I made like an average of $50,000 a year at the the theater, but I was able to hit that, you know, net worth of, of a million at, at 31. And it, if I didn't do real estate, I probably would still be handing out popcorn right now. And that's what I try and stress, uh, when we get to this, uh, with people with wealth building is you can really accelerate wealth with real estate. This has been uh, insightful. It's been fun. Tom, thank you. Thank you for being a guest. It's been great getting to know you. I hope folks will check you out at thefrugalgay.com uh, and on all of your social media sites. Um, and I hope we'll, we'll continue to, to collaborate down the road. You never know. And it's been uh, just a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank all of you for listening and watching today. We'd love to hear from you. So please send us a message or leave us comments at don'tretiregraduate.com. If you enjoy our show, share it with friends and family so they can join you on your journey to financial freedom. And please leave us ratings and reviews on social media or your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Don't Retire, Graduate is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.